Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I'm joined, I think, at the Hilton Hotel somewhere in the East Coast by Mr. Chris Wesley. What's up, man? Hey, John. Uh, yeah, I'm in downtown Baltimore, uh, so it's not like I traveled away and I'm spending a night away from my family. I'm just uh, here pre-Mid-Atlantic Congress. Um, you know, all these conferences going on. I feel like this is conference season, right? Because we have the national meeting last week. Uh, we've got the Mid-Atlantic Congress. Um, I know that uh, LA Congress is happening in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably going to be a bunch of other things that are coming up as well. But yeah, so, uh, uh, or like I know that there's uh, synod meetings and things like that that are going on. So yeah, it's a, bit, a busy time of year. So if you hear background noise, um, uh, that's that's where we are, right? Uh, that, that, we, we've done a couple of these shows from a conference now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. So last last two episodes, I was at an event and you were recording from home or work. And mm-hmm. now I'm at home and you are recording at an event. So this is the yeah. life of a podcaster. So good. Yeah, ta- well, I'm, I'm you there. And so quick, quick overview uh, of the conference. How's it going? And, and what are you doing there? Are you speaking? What's going on? No, I'm actually just an attendee. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's, something that I, I discern every year, but I've kind of made a commitment uh, to my wife that from February until, you know, after Easter, I'm not going to do any like traveling for work that it's really going to be, um, uh, it's really going to be just for uh, family or, you know, things like that. Cause I've got my two sons, their birthdays are in February, and March. Um, you know, there's always a lot to do at the parish um, in that regards uh, that, that might change. Um, I might shift those two or three months to maybe January, February or, or something along those lines. Um, that's something we have to look because I know that, um, you know, just conference uh, speaking is, is big around this time of year and with the marathon, it, it's important, but you know, it's something that I, I don't want to burn myself out. You know, I don't want to, um, you know, uh, tire myself out and uh, John's What a great segue. <laughs> Because they're back. I feel like we've had some rough segues. Not rough or just jarring ones. I mean, my favorite one was two weeks ago uh, or two sessions ago when we had uh, Doug and and Eric on there. I think we just started making fun of each other until you were like, fun, let's just get this thing done. (laughs) Yeah, I I was the party pooper. You were Mr. Booth. Listen to that one, episode 68, if you haven't listened to it. That was a fun one. It went a little long, but it was really great conversation. I, I went, stop. It didn't go a little long. It went 40 minutes, which is longer than what we usually do. 43 minutes. And yes, we aim, we aim for 30 minutes. <laughs> but that could have gone two hours and yes. would have been just as engaging. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> sorry to those of you who like the 30-minute podcast. <laughs> well, I'm excited about this topic because the reality is – um, burnout and, and taking care of yourself is so prevalent and so necessary, I think, in mm-hmm. ministry. And, and sometimes it's crazy when I go around and, and I, I either I teach classes or, or whatnot, I meet these different people like, you know, like you can just look at people sometimes and go, ooh, they are on the verge of, of burnout. And, and sometimes it's what they say and whatnot. And so, you know, I think this is a really interesting topic. And, and Chris, the reason I wanted to delve into this, because you recently uh, did a webinar on this very topic, and I attended that webinar, and I was like, this needs to be a podcast episode. So that's why yeah. we're going to talk about burnout today. Tell us a little bit about 
that webinar, but to also tell us a little bit about kind of how you started thinking about this topic and why this topic is important to you. Yeah, so the National Federation of Catholic Youth Ministry does these monthly uh, webinars. Um, if you've never checked them out, such great speakers, um, uh, great topics that they talk about. Um, and so I had done one last year, and then I had presented at um, the National Catholic Youth Ministry Conference in Tampa this past December. And, um, and, and so uh, Michael Tyson from uh, the, not Michael Tyson the boxer, but Michael Tyson the, uh, uh, from the National Federation reached out to me again, and I was honored to do that. And actually he threw the topic at me. Um, he said, will you talk about, you know, uh, not necessarily burnout, but just how to survive in youth ministry and thrive in it. And I asked him, I was like, why, why did you choose me for this topic? And um, he said he had heard me speak about it before, but I've actually only given that webinar, that presentation, I gave once before, and it was this past fall in Fresno um, when I was speaking at their um, Catholic, uh, at their um, uh, lay ecclesial uh, convocation um, out in Fresno. Um, but it's something that I've, Always, it's always been on my mind because one of the reasons Marathon Youth Ministry started was because I got tired of seeing turnover happen at the youth, uh, at all the churches in my diocese, especially in my area of Baltimore County. Um, when I was at Nativity for 12 years, um, two churches that were next to me went through uh, three uh, to four youth ministers each. Um, so that's a high turnover. And those programs didn't grow because when you don't have consistency, those programs aren't going to go uh, grow. And, um, and so for me, it was kind of like, I, I want as a, as someone who was, was getting support was thriving in ministry. I wanted to offer that. And so that's how marathon kind of came about. But at the same time, I didn't recognize that as my parish was growing because of the rebuilt success story, you know, rebuilt story and everything. And we were going through a capital campaign and then my platform was growing because of Marathon and the books I wrote, um, that I was actually going through the exact same thing I was trying to help people prevent, and that was burnout. And, uh, you know, you, you should listen to the webinar, um, uh, and, and maybe we can provide a link to that through here, but, uh, uh, you know, I start out with a story of how I'm just a mess in front of my front door late one night after ministry, after spilling Chick-fil-A uh, cookies and cream milkshakes all over the front door. And um, it was at that moment where I audibly admitted to myself that I was burnt out. And you would think that was at the point where I would say, start getting help. But I think it's like any of us. It's like, as soon as we hear it and it becomes real, it scares the crap out of us. And so I immediately shoved that back in, hit it back, tucked it away until probably like six months later, it couldn't be hidden anymore. And, um, you know, you talk about, John, right, how you recognize people when they're kind of burning out. I, you know, my wife obviously was the first one to know that I was burnt out before I was burnt out. But I think other people around me were starting to wonder, like, what's going on with Chris Wesley? He's intense. He's easily irritated. He's um, not as innovative. Like, I lost my creativity. I lost, you know, I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, you know, I was more susceptible to sin. Um, and, uh, finally, um, and, uh, this is something I haven't shared with a lot of people, but I was in Atlanta, um, ready to speak to a bunch of Jesuit priests about, you know, rebuilt story. And, um, a coworker of mine had given me a Beth Moore devotional. Now, I don't know if you know who Beth Moore is, but she is a big time evangelical speaker, uh, 
for, for women's ministry. Um, and so for me, it was kind of like the most unlikely of characters speaking into my life. Like I was like, why am I reading a women's devotional? I remember like thinking like, why do I feel like I need to read this women's devotional? And as I was reading through it, I recognized that all my identity was tied in the wrong thing, which wasn't in a relationship with God and that everything else was secondary to that. And I had to step away. And that's my aha moment of bouncing back. And I would say now the last two years has been the story of me um, figuring out how not only not to, how not to burn out again, but how to be a healthier leader than I was the last couple of years. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I think that's incredible. No you, you know, there, there are definitely, I, I look back at my own ministry and I, there, are, there are times that I'm just like, Ooh, I am not a good version of myself right now, no, you know? No. And, and it's funny how it, peop, other people often recognize it in us first before we recognize it. Like, maybe you had inklings of it, Chris, but, but you mentioned that there were a couple people, your wife especially, who's closest to you, who started to name it and started to see it. And that was true for me. My wife has seen that in me. I think one of the interesting challenges, and I, I want to get your, your thoughts on this, is is because we're serving God in ministry, we think like this is a worthy cause. This is what we need to be doing. And so I just need to go full force. It's okay. And this, I sacrifice myself, right? This is sacrificial language, which is some Jesus language too. So there's there, the temptation is there, right? You know, it's very, very biblical, very religious, right? I sacrifice myself for God. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, we have nothing left to give and then we can't serve God at all. But I think we have the mentality of like, this is for God. So it's worth it. I, I stay up late. I don't work out. I eat crappy food. I, I, I work 14 hour days. It's all for God. So it's all worth it. Was that something that was in your mindset? Was that a reality for you? Cause I know I have felt that and I have challenged myself on that. Um, yeah, there was definitely um, a pride filled um, view that I had on my position versus anyone else, you know, um, and that led to problems. Like I valued my job more than my wife's job. My wife does human resources and, um, and she's worked for some really great companies and everything like that. But for, for me, I was like, you know what? I work for the church and this matters more because it impacts my, our, not just my relationship with God, but hers and my son's. And so I was under this false impression there. Second thing is, you know, at the end of the day, I'm saving lives. I'm saving souls, you know? Like you're just making money, like not, not with my wife, but with other businesses, like you're just making money. You're just trying to sell a product. I'm trying to change the world. And so it's this very uh, Pharisee-like mindset that I started to portray. But it wasn't just working for the church. It was also this platform too, right? Like I had to have my stuff together because I was a part of the Rebuilt brand. I had to have my stuff together because I had two books. I had to have my stuff together because I was marathon youth ministry. And if you asked me flat out, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. My number one relationships with God, I've got the spiritual habits. And, and I was working at that, but literally I would wake up in the morning for quiet time prayer. And it would just be like, it would just be like this noise going on in my head, being like thinking about all the things I had to do the day. And then 15 minutes would be up. And I was like, all right, I prayed to God. And it was like, no, I was just consumed in myself. Um, and it was through different relationships and opportunities where God just started to be like, nope, 
you got to change. Nope. You got to change. Nope. All right. Now you got to walk away. Now you got to walk away. Now you got to walk away. You know what? Now I'm going to just take it from you. And that's what it felt like when I left Nativity and had those like three months. And you saw me in San Jose. That's when we like first started. Like I was probably more drained um, than I'd ever been. I had never been so empty in my entire life. And, uh, and, but at the same time, after hitting that point of burnout, um, God has blessed me with so many great men and women and including an incredible wife who was like, all right, we're going to put you back together. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so, but, but I think it, I think it's helpful to really hear that story and see, realize that that's a reality. So when you started to recognize that, uh, what were some of the the strategies, the hedges, what were some of the things you put in place to help you get out of that, that funk, that burnout? Yeah. Um, one, it was, um, starting to like, just, just find people who were going to help me. So, um, I mentioned this on the webinar, but I have a therapist. In fact, I was seeing a therapist before, um, uh, I uh, left um, my church and it's kind of funny just to give you a little bit of background. The last time I was in therapy was when my parents um, went through their divorce. And so from age like 16 up until age 22, when I graduated college, I was in therapy and then I didn't need therapy or I didn't need therapy um, until um, later on in the church. And I never thought the church would drive me to therapy, but it did. Um, so therapy, I got, an executive coach um, who was a uh, former parishioner who just wanted to help me professionally. Um, I had my men's small group, guys from my men's small group, uh, my wife, who were just pouring into me. So that was the first thing. The second thing was trying to build these habits where I could build margin. And that meant creating rules in my life. And so some of those rules I started to create was I deleted work email off of my phone. Um, I have my personal email. And I have my marathon youth ministry email on my phone. Um, but my church email where that was like the number one violation into my personal life was, was there. And because I was always on edge. So um, when I started working at a church again, that was off Saturdays. I, I try not to work any Saturdays unless it's a retreat, um, unless it's uh, some big parish event. Um, but really like Saturdays, you're not going to get me. Um, and that's even same case with marathon youth ministry. That's my day with my family because I work Sundays, right? And then I work Fridays with marathons. So it was creating that one off day. And then more recently, um, no technology in my bedroom. Um, so my phone, I charge in my kitchen, um, downstairs. Um, uh, I have an alarm clock. Uh, they still make those. And, uh, that's how I wake up in the morning. And uh, half an hour before I go to bed, uh, I'm not looking at a screen um, unless I happen to fall asleep in front of the TV watching a movie. But like, you know, uh, so those types of habits um, and building that margin um, have been important and rewriting the rules of how I should do youth ministry um, have been the ways to bounce back. I smile because, and obviously you listening can't see me smile, but I'm smiling because the techniques are, are, are so simple. They're not difficult techniques, um, but they're powerful. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's funny, I have created some of those very same strategies that you were doing. I've done the same thing. And, and we didn't talk about this before, right? We were gonna, right, I, right. I knew I was gonna ask you the question, but I didn't, I didn't know what you were gonna say per se. But it's funny, 
I recently, since I moved to Las Vegas, I've done that. My phone does not come into my bedroom and I charge it downstairs in my office, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I do have work email on my phone, but I've turned off all notifications on my phone except for if I get a phone call or if I get a text. That's it. So I have no red dots on my phone that, that are bothering me to kind of open up. You know, if I want email, I go and get it. Now, I know I'm still on email more than I should be. That's the reality for me. <clears throat> and then I've talked numerous times about my men's small group and you talked about your small group, you know, and, and, and I don't have one here yet, but that was huge for me. You know, when I was still in the, the Bay area in California, <clears throat> like I absolutely needed that. And quite honestly, like over the, certainly over the past year, my wife and I have gotten closer to uh, more intimate in our emotional connection. And, and that has served to be very powerful for both of us of staying mm. balanced. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. What, what are some areas, Chris, that you <clears throat> are still working on that you think, ah, I, I know I need to work on this, but I'm not quite there in terms of helping you continue to thrive and stay out of burnout? Yeah. Um, my prayer life. Um, in fact, um, up until this like December or January, um, that was like a hit or miss sort of thing. Um, and then I came across a really cool tool, uh, the monk manual. Um, and, uh, basically, um, uh, through the monk manual, I was able to, um, you know, start to process these better habits, the planner, um, um, that you use. And so, I decided that I was going to commit to morning prayer, 15 minutes every single morning. And I didn't want to fall back in the same trap of like just sitting there quietly and having a bunch of noise. So I committed to doing uh, the rosary for 21 days, right? Uh, uh, 21 day like commitment. And every morning I was just going to wake up and do the different, um, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Uh, the liturgy the, of the hours? No, the morning prayer? The, no, no, uh, doing the rosary, but the different, mm. um, uh, oh my gosh, blanking on the name. Anyway, uh, um, but anyway, uh, so. The uh, mysteries, you're talking about the mysteries, mysteries right? There we go. <laughs> I mysteries. was like, where is she going with this? Okay. Right, right, right. We'll have to edit out all the pauses. Of but anyway, um, yeah, the mysteries. And, uh, um, and, and that's because I couldn't uh, contemplate the words. And that's the beauty of our Catholic faith, right? Is we have so many prayers that can give us the words when we don't know how to pray. And I remember when, you know, in, in scripture, when G it says Jesus then gave him words of prayer, like, and that was the, our father. So for 21 days, and then I came across a, a, a devotional called Inhaling Grace by Alan Badling. And uh, um, I've been going through that now for 60 days. And in addition to that, journaling. Um, so I'll read the devotional and then I'll journal. And I've read that both in the secular world and also in the spiritual world. The power of journaling is that it gets the thoughts that are in your head on paper. And it's not for the hopes that one day someone will discover the memoirs of John Ronaldo and be like, this is so profound. I, I mean, I reread re -read through some of this stuff and I'm like, not even Dr. Seuss can make sense of this, you know? <laughs> but um, my prayer life is definitely what I've been working on a lot more um, in that regards. And then also sleep, uh, making sure I get about eight hours of sleep every single night. Um, especially if I'm going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, because when I don't sleep, I'm a jerk. Mm. So, yeah. 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 No, that sleep is a big deal for me. I I've recognized my pattern that I need to aim for at least eight hours of in bed, trying to sleep. Sometimes you don't, I don't sleep that right. entire time. You right. know, um, I am a different person when I've had that sleep and, 
And pe- different people have different cycles. And I would encourage you, if you're listening, to kind of pay attention to yeah. what your sleep pattern is and what's more effective. You know, maybe it's maybe it's nine for you. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's six. Yeah. Right. Um, obviously, all the science says everybody needs eight. You know, but you got to listen to your body. I think that's that's mm. so super important. Uh, for me, one of the things that uh, is super important is working out the the daily activity uh, you know and i <clears throat> like this morning you know my wife and i got up at at you know, 4 15 and we went and did a, a, a 5 a.m workout class for 60 minutes um <clears throat> while the kids were sleeping my don't worry my mom is here visiting us so if anyone woke up there was still an adult in the house so, uh, <clears throat> but that was that's powerful like <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> i'm trying to work out you know three four or five times a week and and again, just like sleep, I'm a different person. Uh, I have more energy. I have more creativity. I give more energy to my ministry, to my family when I uh, work out. Uh, so that's really good. Yeah. So <clears throat> going back to the days off, though, let me just, you know, I skipped over that a little bit. But <clears throat> how do you enforce that? Like, honestly, like <clears throat> you mentioned stuff comes up on Saturdays and, and you work and stuff comes up on Fridays. It's like, it's so easy to really fall into a trap and, and working seven days, or if you have to work a Saturday and not taking another day uh, out after that, what does the conversation look like with your staff, with your pastor to allow you the freedom to take those days off when sometimes we expect people to be here a lot? Yeah, it, it's harder if you've been at your church for a while, but one of the ways that I, I would recommend doing that is going around to staff members individually, especially the ones um, that maybe you have a good relationship with and just say like, Hey, listen, um, I need to take better care of myself. So when I'm at home, whether it's dinner time, you know, with my family or, you know, on my off day, I'm just not going to check email. I was like, if you have to get in touch with me, um, you can, uh, shoot me a text or a phone call, but it needs to be an emergency. You can email me, just know that I'm not going to respond to it until maybe I'm back in the office next time. But just to let you know, I don't check email on those off days. Um, and, and when it comes to your pastor, I think it's really important just to say like, Hey, listen, I'm trying to make sure that I have this work life balance. And I've realized that I need to invest more in my Sabbath, which isn't going to be Sunday if I'm working on Sundays, but on, you know, um, I've chosen Saturday or I've chosen Friday or I've chosen Wednesday or Tuesday. And really I think people should have two days off and, and, um, I do, but like, I'm willing to check work on Fridays, but like pick one day where you're just going to not have those rules and then um, get rid of those temptations, right? Eliminate the email from your phone because you really don't need email at your phone when you're at work. I mean, email is a passive way of, uh, of communicating with people. So, um, you know, just again, like, uh, um, uh, you know, communicate that to your coworkers, communicate that to your volunteers. Um, and, you know, if anyone's really calling you at about an emergency, um, it's, it shouldn't be a life or death sort of situation. If it is, that's where you need to call like the professionals, right? Like the counselors, the, uh, EMTs, the firefighters, you know, whatever, um, 911, but like really everything else can wait or should wait. Um, if people violate that, let's slide once or twice, but if it becomes a habit, that's where you address it with but I really think the work, the challenge comes down to us as the individuals setting those rules, right? Because my staff might obey those or respect those rules, but how often am I picking up my phone or my laptop to actually check the email, right? 
that's my choice. That's a, that's something I choose to do. Or how often am I working on something, you know, that should be done during the work week on a Saturday or a weeknight. And I really believe that sometimes we're not, we don't have too much on our plate. I, I, I do believe that we do have a lot on our plate, but I think sometimes we allow so many distractions during our work day and that we don't invest in something called deep work enough where that's basically turn off your social media, turn off your, um, you know, turn off all your, uh, um, you know, email pings and whatnot and just focus slow, solely uh, on what it is you need to do, whether it's writing that message, uh, researching that topic or things along those lines. I think there's a lot of times where we set up ourselves for failure during the work day that bleed over into our days off. Yeah, that's good. Good strategy. One of the best practices I've heard on a lot of leadership and management uh, podcasts and books is, is limit your email time to three times a day. Uh, now that's kind of a different topic for us, but limit your, you know, schedule when you're going to do emails, uh, and two, three times a day is more than enough. And usually 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes max each of those times is more than enough to, to plow through those emails. But yeah, emails are a super huge distraction going back to kind of setting up those days off and that, and that, that margin, um, the sooner you set expectations with your staff, with your, with your supervisor, the better, right? Because then mm. you start getting those habits around. I was very fortunate where uh, I, for the most part, I've worked for people who got that, who understood it and right. modeled it. Right. So if you're a pastor or you're a supervisor of ministry staff, recognize, you need to recognize how powerful your actions are. Um, because I'll determine my work habits based on my supervisor's work habits. Right. When I worked at Catholic Charities, my boss, who I love dearly, Greg Kepferly, you know, he was very, uh, very much set on a schedule. You know, it was, he was there roughly eight to five, five thirty each day. Obviously things would happen or there'd be board meeting or whatnot, you know? Um, but he never, I never got an email from him after hours. I yeah. never got an email from him during the weekend. And so for me, I realized, okay, he's modeling it for me. Like that's super powerful. And so I knew that I didn't need to respond to stuff because I would get other emails on the weekends, you know, or, uh, and again, at Catholic Charities was more of a, a, a nine to five Monday through Friday type of job, you know, um, but I, I didn't respond to it. And so understand that you model the way. If you're a supervisor, set up those limits for yourself. That is going to be the best way for, for you to impact your staff and your team, including your volunteers, so that, that they take care of themselves too. Because right. if you're not taking care of yourself, then, then don't expect your staff to do it because they're, they're going to see and they're right. going to say, you know, you're going to say, hey, only work five days, take Friday and Saturday off. But then, you know, they see you working seven days a week. Well, you know, that is uh, certainly it's hypocritical, but um, they're going to take cues from your actions, not your words. And that's mm -hmm. super, super powerful. That, that is so key, John, because I think not only do, should we expect that from our coworkers not to disturb us, but we shouldn't do that to them as well. So, um, even if you struggle with it, if it's a Saturday night, if it's, if your coworkers on vacation, don't email them. Like seriously, we all hate coming back from vacation, opening up our inbox and seeing a thousand emails. If you know your coworkers on vacation, like if you have to send them an email so you don't forget, put in the subject line, don't check this till you get back. It's okay. This isn't an emergency, whatever you need to do so that they don't 
have that. So you don't ruin their vacation. Mm -hmm. Don't ruin your coworkers vacation and set that precedent saying like, I want you to respect me. I'm going to respect you on that. And, you know, I've advised people like, again, have those conversations with your coworkers. And I think that's important. I think another thing too is, um, and this helps us avoid burnout is how we're investing in ourselves professionally. Um, like John, what are things that you're reading and doing to help you grow, to be a more effective and efficient, um, leader, um, with what you're doing? Yeah. 2019 for me has been kind of a, a going back to where I was in my early mid twenties In my early and mid twenties, even late twenties, I was so good about reading ton of books that were helping me both religious, Catholic and secular leadership and management. I mean, everything in between I was reading. Um, and you know, I had one kid and you know, I, I, lost a little bit of habit, but then I had kid number two or three. It's like, it's like I stopped reading altogether. And so I've, I've committed in 2019 uh, to get back into it. And so I'm aiming for two books a month. So it's 24 books in a year. Some are long, some are short, but, but more specifically to your question, I've, I've delved into a couple of John Maxwell books again. Um, he rewrote one of his books that he wrote in the nineties. He totally rewrote it uh, and released another version here. I think it was just released in January. I, I finished reading through that for me, that was really powerful. And it was focusing on my leadership and how I become a better leader. And the, the title of the book is developing the leader within you 2.0. And I'll link to that. The other book that I just got from him that he just released as well is uh, No Limits. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, Leadership. I'm getting all my books okay. confused. Leadership. And so, so I'm starting to delve into that. Uh, and I recently, I can't even remember the name of the book, but I, I recently read a book that really challenged my prayer and spiritual life. Uh, I don't know the name of it. I'll link to it. I'll put on the link, you know, on the show notes so that you can see it. But it was really good book for me to read because that's one of the other challenges. I mean, you mentioned it as a challenge, Chris, you know, your prayer life. And that is for me too, especially with the busyness of family life and work and whatnot. Like how do I be intentional about this? And, and that book really helped me realize I need to be more intentional about it. So I don't remember the name of it, but it was powerful. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes for sure. So that's, that's kind of what I'm reading right now. Those are my first three books of 2019. Cool. Cool. I mean, there's so much that we could talk about in this subject. And um, I think what's important to know is one of the reasons why we do this podcast, the church podcast, is to help people become more efficient and effective um, to, uh, again, not just do church as the work, but to do it as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And um, that's why like, it's great that you work for Parish Success Group and, and with Marathon Youth Ministry. Our coaching and, and um, consulting capabilities really do help that. So if you've never checked out Parish Success Group, if you're a pastor or um, you know, a parish leader, definitely check them out. Um, if you're a youth worker or DRE, check out Marathon Youth Ministry. We provide coaching and consulting just to help you guys do better and help you guys grow in your ministry. Um, but yeah, just know that I think kind of wrapping this thing up, um, again, it's, uh, it's okay to acknowledge your burnout, you know, like, and that you need rest. I think that's the first thing we need to do is uh, know that we need rest to surround ourselves with people who are going to love us and, and, and fuel us back. Uh, thirdly, uh, look at those habits that fuel us and help us. <clears throat> and then lastly, um, yeah, invest in ourselves professionally, um, invest in yourselves professionally, and that will definitely help. Um, so yeah, a lot to talk here. Uh, I appreciate John, you allowing me to be vulnerable and, um, you know, it's all part of a book I'm working on um, that uh, John was asking before, like when the book will come out. And I said, uh, you know, it could be 
you know, next year. It could be 10 years from now. <clears throat> Who knows? But um, I think it'll be more closer to the one year than the 10 year. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's an emotional process to go through that again. But I think it's important to share our, our vulnerable, vulnerability because we're not alone in, in these feelings. So, yeah. I appreciate that you sharing that. And, you know, <clears throat> we can pretend that we have it all together, but the reality is we don't. And that's okay. Uh, it's a growing and learning process. So, Chris, I certainly appreciate you sharing your story on how uh, you were working through your burnout and trying to help you thrive in your ministry. So I'm glad you put those limits in place. I'm glad you have those hedges in place. So uh, and I'm glad to be able to work with you uh, on this. So. So thank you to all of you who are listening uh, to listen to the church podcast. We really appreciate you being part of our family, our team here at the church podcast. As always, if you haven't, please uh, rate and review um, our podcast on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate it. And again, all that does is really just help get the awareness out um, to other people who might be looking for this particular subject. And so, and please share, share this on, on social media, share it with your friends, email it to folks who you think would benefit. We would certainly appreciate any exposure that you can give us to allow uh, our audience to grow. We'd really appreciate it. So thank you for that. Definitely. Definitely. And you can always find us um, at church podcast at the church podcast.org. Um, and don't hesitate to reach out uh, for sure. Um, all right, John, any final thoughts? No, man, I'm good. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. In Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, you came down um, and emptied yourself out. Uh, you took form uh, to experience our pain, to walk uh, our path, Lord. And uh, we are grateful that uh, you did that. Um, Lord, uh, because we know now we have a savior. We have a God who, who knows our pain, who uh, knows what it's like to be burned out, to be empty. Um, God, I, I pray that uh, for all the youth workers, for all the church workers, for all the people out there who are struggling, that uh, you surround them with grace, that you remind them that they're loved and help them recognize, Lord, that they're never alone. God, thank you so much for loving us first. We love you in your name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right.